0: You're listening to the Post-Relevant Podcast, Episode 8, a.k.a. The God God (laughs) Killer! Picture a brain-dead zombie, (sighs) still eyes digesting aimlessly, The undead live in irony, Unruly hero of Post-Relevant Day, Flailing champion of theianism, and I disestablishmentarian, disestablish as resisting the rainbow's refracted by prism. I'm a wanna throw <laughs> a perpetual. i I'm <laughs> the I'm 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 probably a <laughs> The great body had a poetry slam He'd ride through his down So on time he game and third Zombie heart playing he on every word a, a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a I'm, I'm a I'm a relevant podcast, this is your host, Phil Restino trying a different kind of intro today. Uh, we are here at Rock Rimmen Manor with Brother Andy. Hey. How's it going, Brother Andy? Oh, hey, this is Andy. It's going okay. Andy's in the beginning of the podcast this week. Wow. Yahoo! I'm here visiting Brother Andy for a little while, and we're gonna, there's a good chance we're gonna have a big conversation a big episode uh, where we talk about the uh, the final man and the three women in the uh, little hut uh-huh. and Sam confronting them and finally meeting Sarah on the weird video phone and yeah. all that. I've been doing research for that, but I also have not been doing research for that. Yeah, it's been a long time since we've done an episode. I think it's been two months yeah. since we've had a conversation, you and me. Sure. Yeah. We just sit in the room and don't talk to each other. Yeah. That's not true, though. <laughs> we just haven't been. I've been very busy. Yeah. Andy's been busy. But yeah, it's been a little while. Uh, this episode that you guys are about to hear, I'm calling The God Killer. Ah. And so, uh, you know, I've re-listened to it and edited it. So there's a couple of cool things in it. It was recorded back in mid-October. And uh, I had just had my 51st birthday. Mm-hmm. And Andy, you had just bought your house. I just bought a house. Yeah. Yes. So now we're... Three and a half months away from that recording right there have been recordings since then but this specific episode that you're about to hear was recorded about three and a half months ago in mid october 2021 and that was uh that's the snapshot i just turned 51 and you just bought a i house. just yep so um and we talk in that this episode all about sam meeting the songwriter yeah and murdering him yeah <laughs> Spoilers. Spoilers. If you haven't seen the movie, what yeah. are you doing? Yeah. Editor's note, of course you know that the movie I'm talking about is Under the Silver Lake starring Andrew Garfield. Of course you know that this podcast is a podcast about interpreting and decoding the movie Under the Silver Lake. <laughs> of course you know that because you're listening to this podcast, although I failed to mention the, the movie once in this introduction so if you happen to be someone who's a first-timer listening to this podcast we're talking about the movie under the silver lake okay back to the podcast but uh this is part of uh, the big you know the early part of my thesis that sam's the god killer yeah um and that's why it's dog killer backwards Uh so sam murders his god in this episode which i would recommend for anyone murder your god and Mm -hmm. make yourself a new god there you go you know what the hell what do you got yeah. to lose? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, how are things been for you, Andy Pandy? It's been good. It's been I've been crazy busy. I've been doing a full time job and then working on freelance outside of work. And I, you know, getting used to living in a new house and all that, and all that that entails. There's other stuff going on in my life too uh, that I'm not going to get into yet. Right. Uh, maybe someday. Maybe someday. Yeah. yeah. But all exciting. Oh uh, yeah, all very exciting and all very like. Uh, intense so. and again the uh the one of the shows that you're working on is the stan Harmon show is it called yeah. crapopolis crapopolis yeah and so where are you guys at in that whole process um things are going great the show's looking awesome and it, uh the scripts are all really funny and so you really you've gotten a look into his process yeah um do you want to talk at all about what it's like to be in a meeting with him i mean if you've ever listened to Harmon town it's yeah. kind of like having your own private episode of *Harmon Town. Does he perform Mm -hmm. for everybody? He doesn't perform, but I I mean, I even earlier on in the show's development, it was just me, him, and uh, me, Dan Harmon, Steve Levy, and Jordan Young, who's a writer for animation. He's been working in animation for a while. And uh, it's does he work on Rick and Morty too? I don't know if he worked on Rick and Morty, Uh but maybe. and they uh so they're the writers so it's me and them and you're doing character design yeah i was i was kind of designing the look of the show mm-hmm. and did you and, design all the backgrounds too oh well, we hired other people to do that stuff uh-huh. yeah but this is like very early in the process so we'd have meetings and there'd be a bunch of it was on zoom yeah so there'd be a bunch of like producers and stuff just hanging out quietly in the background and uh and yeah, we'd have like two hour meetings and most of the meeting was just Dan talking. Riffing. And like talking out the ideas. Yeah. And talking about his thought process and, and like talking over ideas for character designs. And it was just really, you know, he said, he's a great talker. So yeah. it would be really fascinating to listen to him. Did you ever DM a meeting? No, a oh. Dungeon Master meeting? Yeah. No, he was always in charge of the meeting. Ah. I was just there to like, listen. You never like right. you're walking down a corridor. There's no. a trap door. There's a giant spider. No, we never got <laughs> to that point. And then um, I haven't been in a meeting with him in months, though. Yeah, so, since production really started. Okay. Kind of like stopped and, having meetings with him. So all right. So that's very exciting. Everything's moving along. Um, your home is amazing. Thank you. You live in a beautiful area. We were walking through the snow in the woods yeah, today, we went, and that we we followed beautiful. some Some deer tracks and some rabbit tracks. Oh, and uh, yeah, we did. And um, on my way here a few days ago, I passed the Springfield Basketball Hall of Fame, Mm -hmm. which is a dome and an obelisk. Yeah. And in this episode, you bring it up. Yeah. That you had driven past the Springfield Hall of Fame, and it's a dome and an obelisk. And in the episode before that recording, we had just been talking about the dome and the obelisk. Right. So it was a nice little confirmation. Yeah. You know, so that's really cool. Trying to think if there's anything else that's really important in terms of what we talked about in this episode. Well, just in general, this episode is really about Sam meeting his God, the songwriter, right. and sort of the implications of all that. And also Andy does a Cold read of "Ode to the lyrics oh, to Ode to Joy," yeah, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, I'm glad we got that performance out of you. <laughs> so I'm a le- little nervous about hearing that again. No, it's awesome. Okay. I love it, and um, uh, that's something to, for the the listener to look forward to. Yeah, so that's where we're at. You know, this is the, my third episode of the new year. Uh, I'm trying to get stuff out weekly, but you know, generally I'll probably be releasing episodes, if not once a week once every like 10 days or something like that, as much as I can. Um, I'm here to try to do the research and get to the point before I leave Andy's house so that I'm prepared to do a huge reveal or whatever explanation of the whole
1: final man with the
0: three women in the hut and what that all really means. Yeah. So that's kind of one of my uh, objectives while I'm at Andy's palatial establishment. Um, So exciting days for the podcast. Probably in a few episodes, you're really going to find out about who Sam is. And that's another huge pivotal episode, just like the one about the moon goddess was. Right. And in some ways, this episode, I think, is super important because it really focuses on what the, the the true, like, heart themes of this movie are really about. Like, his conversation with the songwriter is like the real some real revelation in the story about what, what the the movie's really about, I right. think, you know? And so uh, we we kind of like really dig into it and try to figure it out. And I think we actually make some real progress with Excellent. it. Between the two of us, we we nail a lot of detail work, trying to, ex- you know, ex- explain what we're looking at throughout Sam coming into his mansion and, uh, and uh, you know, the chess game beforehand, yeah. and, and then like the whole confrontation with the songwriter and what's really going on there. And I think we do it, I think, I think we do a decent job trying to explain what's happening there. So if you're really looking for clues into the movie and for big themes and stuff like that, this is a super important episode. So I would put this close to up there with those, some of the most, one of the most important episodes that we'll do probably. Cool. Yep. So thanks for listening. We're going to just jump right into the next conversation. Uh, I wanted to feature Andy in the beginning because I wanted to, I want to do something different, and also Andy's been such a huge pivotal figure in this podcast. So oh, yeah. I thought it was time that he made his debut at the Look beginning. At the beginning, wow! Yeah. I finally graduated. Yep, yeah. yep, yeah. um, and uh, a lot more awesome shit to come. So stay with us and enjoy the conversation, Tally Ho! Tally Ho! And welcome back to the Post Relevant Podcast. You're here with me, Phil Rostino, and I am here with the... Andy Rostino. Otherwise known as Andy Rostino. Yes. And uh, we're here once again, brothers and sisters, we've gathered together to talk again this day about the Holy Scripture that we know as... Under, the Silver, Under Lake. the Silver Lake. Yes, yes. glorious be, brothers and sisters, for yea verily to gather together again in an ode to joy, a veritable ninth symphony of wonderment. Oh. Here we are. Now, this is probably episode seven, but I wish it was episode nine because uh, Andy and I just sort of watched uh, over the segments that we're going to talk about today. And the number nine is yeah, super important. We spotted the number nine all over the place. Yep. So we don't know what it means yet. In, in my, you know, little knowledge, nine is a number of completion. Number nine. Yeah. Number you know, nine. I mean, uh, maybe I'll number talk nine. about it at the beginning of this episode. Number nine. To see if uh, I can nine. find more. And yeah, that's very good. Number nine. More relevance uh, to this thing, but um, just in general, nine is a number of completion. Nice. Because ah. once you get to nine then you go back to one again, right which is ten and it starts all over again. so uh, nine and is a big you number an egg after you pass by nine you become an egg and start all over again an egg and a sperm probably it was zero and a one yeah. so it's like a dick it's and binary a dick and a vagina yeah, a positive and a negative before that is number nine so computers computer language is really sexy it's binary, it's binary. yeah so I mean what could binary? It can only be male and female. I mean, that's right. the whole essence of binary. Right. The binary idea, essentially. Uh, I've been having a really interesting time of it because I just turned fifty-one yesterday. Congratulations. Ah, oh, thank you. I'm trying to find in my notes where we're gonna start. We just talked about Sam being reborn. Right. In but the last episode. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, we talked about Sam being reborn. And um, that just reminds me of a couple little things that I thought of. Uh, you know how normally when we're talking here, I bring up a couple notes of like clarification. Right. So two things that I thought of, and these are just quickies. Let's hear them. So, all right, there's a guy named Michael Tessarian, and he's an Irish writer and speaker. And he's a esotericist, essentially. He seems to know a lot about sort of like old, old Druidic Ireland, that kind of thing. Uh-huh. And um, that's his perspective kind of coming uh, in terms of investigating all like the the hidden, you know, hidden history and mythology and uh, conspiracy and all that stuff. Michael Tassarian. Okay. He, I think I learned this from him, but... He would make a point out of this connection between England or Ireland and uh or Great Britain and um and Egypt. And he said one of Akhnaten's daughters, Akhnaten is the ruler of the eighteenth dynasty mm-hmm. in Egypt, who is a very strange-looking person. He looked like a fourteen-foot-tall alien. How do you spell it? Um she's a K H E N Akhenaten A K H E N I think it's A T E N So oh yeah he's a very I've I've seen some of his statues up close and he's very strange looking he's got a really 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 long face yeah He's got a sort of a womanly figure with like a belly and hips. Right. Uh he was uh married to Nefertiti. That's Nefertiti there. Right. She's sort of this famous thing. Sure. And his daughters are depicted in images with them all, and they've all got these really long, long skulls. Yeah, like elongated the skulls. skulls. Yeah. So, um, and uh so Akhenaten was this uh Egyptian ruler came along in the 18th dynasty and he changed everything. He changed the worship of Egyptian gods from one God, I mean from many gods to this single God, which was the sun disk that he called the Aten. Right. There are these images of him and Nefertiti holding their children and the children are sitting there really weird-looking with these long skulls. And they're all breathing in the rays of the Sun and the Sun the rays of the Sun are coming down with hands holding onks, and they come down to their nose. And so that they're, they're essentially like breathing in light. Right. And so he changed in Egypt. He changed the religion from many gods to a single God. Right. And he moved the capital of Egypt to this different town. I'm, it's been a while since I've really studied him, but um, I think the modern version of the town is called Tel El Amarna. But right. I can't remember what the original version of the town was, of uh, the city, but they changed the location of like the capital of Egypt. And so he wanted to depict everything as it actually was. Uh-huh. And so all the art at his period is much more realistic right. looking okay. instead of stylized. That's really interesting. Okay. So it, it, supposedly in written history, this is the first moment of a society worshiping a single god. Right. So, and in the art, the art is supposed to depict everything as it really looks like. And in the statues of Akhenaten, he's 14 feet tall. Right. And he and his family look really fucking weird. Right. So. So they're aliens? They're aliens, man. (laughs) So it's like an alien showed up and uh, said, this is the way it needs to be. This, I'm changing things up here. Right, there's a lot of weird alien stuff in Egyptian And, and so, mythology. is this the stuff that like Christianity adapted? Okay, so he's the supposedly the uncle of King Tut. Okay, his original name. See if you can scroll up and see if you can find his. Well, here, it's right here. I think name mean, change. What his original name was? Amenhotep. His father is like Tutmosis the third, or something okay. like that. That's a great name. It's something like that, but. Um, they think that possibly because if you you know in these names is yeah i guess he's amenhotep the 4th his father before him was like tutmosis the 3rd something like that i can't remember but so there's the word moses in their names right and so there's a theory that in, in fact sigmund freud believed this supposedly that akhenaten is moses okay Um, Because Moses is a prince that's found in the water. Right. And sometimes the water is symbolic for, like, the Milky Way. Right. And Akhenaten would be, like, this prince who becomes a king. Right. And Moses brings in the idea of a single god and changes everything. And that's exactly what Akhenaten did in the 18th dynasty. Right. And he he reigned for, like, 17 years or something like that. And then supposedly the priests killed him. Okay. They murdered him and got rid of him. And so by the time King Tut is back, they reinstalled all the old gods. Right. So it's a really fucking weird period in Egyptian history. And supposedly the Rosicrucians and the Masons all revere Akhenaten. Okay. And so Michael Tassarin talks about Akhenaten as being like a psychopath, sort of. He thinks he's bad. Right. But supposedly one of Ognoton's daughters, I can't remember which one it is. There's like three depicted, was married to to some sort of royalty in Ireland. Uh-huh. And her nickname was Skoda, according to Michael Tessarian. And so that's where the name Scotland comes from. Ah. So supposedly Scotland is named after an Egyptian princess. Right. So there's this connection between Egypt and England or Ireland or Great Britain and the reason I bring that up is because we were talking about the homeless King and I right. was talking about Osiris right and that you know he meets Osiris at the at the the uh, the, obelisk, the obelisk which is Osiris's phallus right and and I think that phallus is there because he's shot out of the phallus and brought into the womb of the earth and so he impregnates the womb and is, you know, it, and when he comes out of the earth, he's born again, right? So it's right. this whole fertility ritual there. Right. I had mentioned while we were talking about it that maybe it's the horned god or maybe it's, the, you were talking about the green man, you brought yeah. up the green man. Yeah. And what I don't think I really clarified is that according to Michael Tessarion, the green man is Osiris, okay. literally. Oh, wow. Yes. Okay. And because Osiris, when he's depicted, is depicted as green, right in the in the Egyptian right. so hieroglyphs. the the, uh, well, you the thought, homeless king. You thought the homeless king might be the green man, this yeah. nature spirit guy, and yeah. I thought he might be Osiris. And it's the same what guy. What I didn't clarify, according to this one historian, is that they are the same guy. Wow, yeah. So I we thought that was it neat. Out. I thought that was really yeah. neat, but uh, that we did it sort of by yeah. accident, we didn't really make yeah. we didn't fully like. Bring it all together. Yeah. And uh, speaking of the obelisk and the dome, yeah. I was in Springfield, Massachusetts, just driving through. Okay. And I snapped this quick photo of the Basketball Hall of Fame. And there's an obelisk and a dome. a dome. Yeah. I nice. Mean, I <laughs> and, it's, and the dome is sort of in a pyramid. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's the dome cool. also kind of looks like a basketball. Oh, so, right on. But there it is. Uh, right. Yeah. So they're always using those I tried to, we stuff. were driving by, I tried to get a photo. And I, I that's classic. I, didn't get a very good one. That's a great observation. Right and it's funny, right? Once you see it, then you yeah. start seeing it. All over the place. Yeah. yeah. So that was one thing I wanted to bring up. The other thing that I wanted to mention is a little tiny detail that I think I figured out, which is the uh, shooting star that comes over to Sam's house. Right. You know, and gives him the information about Sarah and about the uh, how they couldn't party. go to the songwriter's right. mansion. They yeah. weren't allowed. She's wearing silver shoes. Right. And you were like, what does that mean? Right. And she's also wearing purple, and purple is usually like a uh, A a color of royalty. The silver shoes uh, is Mercury. Oh yeah. Right? Yeah. Or Hermes. Right. Hermes, Mercury. Yeah. So silver is always associated with Mercury. Okay. And Mercury is Hermes. Right. So she's a mess, she's a messenger in that moment. Oh, yeah. Right? And she really is a messenger in that moment. Yeah. So that's why she's wearing silver shoes, is because she's. Sort of playing the role of Mercury in that wow. in that scene. Cool, man. This movie, man. Right? I yeah. Wonder how. Like, do you think they were just figuring it out? Like, how much do they? Do you think they planned? They must have planned a, a lot, lot of it. Well, I mean, a we did watch that video with the the set director or whatever. Yeah, and uh, that yeah, doesn't totally indicate it from watching that. No, but he says there's. It goes deep. Right. He's that one line. Yeah. It's like, yeah, there's stuff within stuff or whatever. but Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really does go deep, though. Right. So, yeah, I just thought those were two cool things that I wanted to clarify in this one. And as we see is when we start talking about this episode, the number nine is super important. And I don't know if that is supposed to be what the ninth level would be, really. Uh, I mean, is it the ninth level of hell or heaven or what? You know, the ninth right. dimension or... The ninth Sephirah in the Kabbalah or where are they? The ninth I don't know. Right. So, okay, so we're gonna get back into the movie. Yeah. Okay. That's good. So uh last that we've seen him, he's come up out, he's emerged up out of the uh, the tunnel and drank milk in yeah. the grocery store. The next scene we come to him approaching uh, the cartoonist's house. Yeah, and you can see the uh, Griffith Park Observatory background. up above the house and yeah. The first time that we see the uh, cartoonist's house in the earlier scene where Sam meets him, you also can see the Griffith Park Observatory above the house there as well. So I think we're supposed to think that someone's watching, right. that, ha- that, that they've got an eye on his house. Yeah, you know, exactly. I mean, he approaches a cop car. and Yeah, there's a cop car parked in the yard. Yeah. Which is kind of weird. And the front, his front gate is taped off with, with caution, caution tape. tape. Sam asks what's going on and the cop tells him that that the guy committed suicide. Yeah, so Sam, Sam, Sam says eh, he didn't seem suicidal. yeah and the guy's like I've been in his house. <laughs> yeah there was something wrong with it yeah I spent yeah. two hours in his house yeah. there seems like there's something wrong with him. And then Sam goes and hides behind the bushes <laughs> right inconspicuously like he, he, the bushes aren't covering anything and he's like kind of dancing in the shadows like he has to go to the bathroom or something. Oh, you think so? I don't know. No, not really. But it just—he just seems very obvious that he's there. Yeah. And the car isn't even driven away. And he, he watches works. the cop car yeah. drive away, and he's immediately running into. But he the runs in his backyard hands, his with hands. his hands at his side. His yeah. great run that he does. Yeah. I wonder. I mean, it's clearly an acting choice for him yeah. to run around with his hands by his side, and it's such an odd. It is. Such an odd choice for him to have made, but I love it because every yeah. time I see it, I think it's really damn funny. Yeah. Um, so he approaches the backyard. And there is, there are the bars bent back and in, in front of the uh yeah, there's, bars there's, are bent there's, back in front of the window. Bars over the window, but it looks like someone has pried them back. Some with their bare hands, right? Yeah, for like easy entry. But then also I'm just noticing this right here, there's a hand chair. A purple hand chair. Oh, he's chair. got a hand chair. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, do you think that mean it means anything? No. No. Okay. I don't think so. All right. But that didn't you have one of those? Liz well, had one. Oh, okay. Right on. So Sam the windows just open. Too. The windows open easily, and Sam slips his way into, into uh, the cartoonist's house, and um, goes down the hall, and walks into his bedroom. And there's the blood-stained bed, and yeah. it's really scary. Yeah, and there's a lot of fucking blood. Yeah, there's the guy did not. Yeah, it was he. He bled out real good. Yeah. Um and Sam's very sweaty looking in this. He looks like he needs a good shower. Right. Um, so he opens up the uh, the panel to the to the That's secret room, secret recording room, and the the camera like fades back, and there on the side is the cereal box, sitting there, and Sam starts scrolling through the videotapes that uh, the cartoonist had yeah. always uh, you know like filming filming his own home, and uh, they sort of zooming in on the treasure hunt uh, cereal box and Sam's looking pretty nervous, and he stops and plays the videotape at a random point, and there, walking into like the main part of the cartoonist's house is uh the Owl's Kiss, the yeah. naked woman with an owl head. Yeah. So she comes in, and she walks just like the cartoon version of her. Right, yeah, it's you a very, I mean? like, it makes you think, like, oh, is this person a dancer? Or, you know, if they are a real person. Yeah. Uh, You know, like it's a very specific, strange way of walking. Yeah, it's super stylized, but it's it's exactly like like the cartoon version. Pelvis forward. Yeah, pelvis forward. Yeah. She's very tall. She's got that same kind of body type as the other, the shooting Shooting stars, stars, chicks, you know. So there's that same kind of tall, thin model body type that seems to be reoccurring down this. She walks down the hall that Sam entered in. And uh, before she walks into the cartoonist's bedroom, she looks back at the camera. Right. And Sam rewinds that, and he realizes that she knows that the cameras are there. Right. Right? So this really fucking freaks him out. The next time, the next moment, we see him. He's outside of the... He's he's running down the street talking to Alan on the phone. And you know what I've noticed is Alan's name is always said so that it sort of sounds like Ellen. Huh. So it's always sort of like male female. Right. Okay. Cuz Alan's always wearing, always wearing blouses, yeah. blouses. So it always kind of sounds like Ellen a little bit. And he's he's saying, um, I need you to get me to see Jesus and <laughs> Alan on the phone is like, I don't know if I can help you with that. Yeah. And then he's like, just kidding, do you play chess? Yeah. And he's like, not really. He's like, oh, that'll work. And while he's running down the street hardly Really nervous. There are dogs barking at yeah, you. Yeah, and then they're all behind fences. So yeah. What what is that about? I don't know if. uh I mean, I know I've lived in L.A. as you yeah. Know, so that's very common. That there are dogs Every behind fences barking yeah. at you yeah. if you're walking down the street. Yeah. But I I think it's just to heighten the whole moment and to heighten the idea that that uh, he- Hecate or Hecate. Uh, you know, is represented by the dogs so uh, that the underworld is, like, very aware of what he's up what to. He is. Is. Yeah, I mean, dog is such a specific symbol in this movie. Yeah, yeah, but I think it's representative of her. Right. You know, just as much as they are of God, sort of. Right, but I just this level of paranoia he's feeling. Yeah. Like the owl's kiss, it's like, so you're just saying it's just they're aware of him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Okay. I think so. Alan picks him up and he talks about how there's a guy, a rich guy who likes people to hang out at his house. So, so he invites guys and girls to come over and play chess. And he also makes like a rubbing his nose snorting. Yeah. Motion as if like people do cocaine there as well. Yeah. And then the next thing we see, we kind of like do this nice camera pan across the whole lawn of all these people in white with different kinds of hats. They're all sort of dressed sort of old style, like yeah. 40s-ish. Something like that, yeah. There's a there's an old Hollywood theme to the way they're dressed. Yeah. And they're all at tables, at chess tables, playing chess. And Alan's like, are you sure you want to make that move? And yeah, Or he says, that's a terrible move, yeah. yeah. Um, and they're sitting around a pool, too. Right, so. there's a pool, yep, yeah, you're right. Sam grabs an orange drink, and orange seems to be a very important color in this scene. And he's kind of like scoping out the party. Yeah. So he's scoping out the two shooting star chicks, talking to some dudes. Um, he scopes out... Um, the lady in green. And the, the lady and the balloon in green girl. and the balloon girl who sees him. He waves to her and she does not acknowledge him, really. It's really <laughs> nice. He kind of gives him the brush off. Yeah, she, yeah. And he looks offended, too. He looks yeah. a little bummed out, but... His acting here is really subtle and nice. Then there's a a big gold parasol with two of the brides of Dracula talking to each other. And the way they're talking to each other, it looks like they're together. Right. Like they're romantical. Right. And they're kind of dressed like sort of flappers-ish, but sort of between flappers and hippies. Right. I would say. Yeah. But the big gold parasols that we see, I think are important somehow. That color gold connecting it later on where... There's all that gold where sarah's staying okay you know what i mean so there's something important about the color gold here and then we go to jesus sitting at a table with his arm around this woman in a camisole and like a flapper bandana yeah. and flapper jewelry and she's got flapper hair too and then there's a woman in white with blonde hair but where her back is facing to yeah, us we never, we never see her face and i wonder if she's supposed to Sort of represent Sarah in a way, maybe. Yeah, you know, like as if her presence is there, but you can't quite access her. But Jesus and the woman in the the camisole are haloed by another um, gold parasol, and yeah. Jesus is also drinking Orange. a gold drink yeah. and something that sort of looks like wine or blood. And they've got gold and silver pieces. Yeah, they got gold and silver um, chess pieces. Chess pieces. And so my theory is is that this woman that he's got his that Jesus has his arm around, is supposed to be Janet Gaynor. Oh yeah, she yeah. does kind of look like she kind of looks like her. Yeah, so I right. feel like she's supposed to represent Janet Gaynor here, as if Janet Gaynor and Jesus have a secret together. Okay, that Sam needs to find out about. Right. I wonder you know? how he's gonna find out the secret. <laughs> And there's all this stuff where like they're playing chess and Alan is saying stuff to him. Mm-hmm. And like, it's like right before he goes to confront Jesus, he's like, are you sure you want to do that? And he's like, yep. Yeah. You know, so like- Jesus takes off to go do something. Yeah. Um, And then Sam watches him leave and he makes a move and it's a night move. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. It might be the exact same chess move that is the later chess move. That's depicted on the bracelet okay it might be the exact same move Huh. because that chess move is also a knight move right and I've said before episodes before that this is sort of a knight's quest right totally so you know and that Legend of Zelda stuff kind yeah. of reinforces it so I that's what he's doing there he's doing a knight's move so he's sure you want to do that and that and it's a sort of like a double entendre are you sure you want to make that move chess move and yeah be sure you want to follow Jesus into the house and right it seems like yeah yeah So now we cut to Jesus is sitting on a toilet taking a shit. Is this a bidet over here? It looks like a bidet, yeah, it must be, it must be. Um, And Sam barges into the, (laughs) there's a mirror behind the bath, the toilet as well, and pulls Jesus off. Okay, so right here, he pulls Jesus off the toilet by his legs. Yeah. And then we zoom into his shit in the bowl. And I have this, and so it's shit it and piss looks like it's so like it's like a, shit and gold, right right Shit and piss. And I think it's a reference to uh what's his name to Holy Mountain. Oh Jodorowsky Jodorowsky, yeah, Jodor- where there's that whole alchemical scene where they're trying to turn shit into gold. huh yeah, that's it because there's a whole Jesus thing in that movie as well, right. you know there's Jesus is a big figure in in Holy Mountain as well. I'm trying, because this looks like a symbol. It's a circle it's with a It's like a, a circle with a dot under it, but I don't know what it is. I mean, maybe it's a hobo symbol. Oh, you think so? I don't know. I'm just reaching for it. It's such a, I mean, because there's no reason to show his poo yeah, in the no, toilet. No, it's so specific and so gross. Yeah. And. But I, I kind of. Well, maybe it's a Jesus. It's, he's got a. A halo. Yeah. It's kind of like a halo. Yeah, sort of. I don't know. But. Um. I kind of liken it to this, to like a reference to Yodorowski's Holy Mountain. That's right. what it keeps on reminding me of, is like that alchemical moment in the Holy Mountain where they're trying to turn shit into gold. Right. Yeah. If you find something about the hobo symbols or something like that, let me know. I will. But so now Sam is beating, is like he's got Jesus like pinned to the floor with his knee, and Jesus is mostly naked. Yeah. And so you know he's always depicted without a shirt on, and now he's mostly naked, and he's lying, and the way he's shot. It's almost like the Pieta. Right. You know what I mean? Where Jesus is dead in Mary's arms. Yeah, like his legs are kind of bound together. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that the way he's positioned in this scene is supposed to kind of be like the Pieta. Interesting. Yeah, because, you know, at at the very least, he's supposed to be naked and he's bloody and he's being beaten up and stuff. And so it certainly seems to like that, a reference to like the Depiction of Jesus being sort of crucified or something like right. that. You know? And Sam's beating him up and he's like, oh, why are you hitting me? And um Sam's totally like this is, I feel psycho. like maybe his scariest moment. But it's still a very the way he interrogates him here is a super private. private yeah, yeah, exactly. Moment, you yeah. know what I mean? A PI moment where he's really yeah. um because he 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 grabs. He grabs his hand and he's twisting his hand he's like tell me yeah. you wrote the song turning teeth yeah there are secrets in the song yeah, yeah. what are the codes mean? what are the codes what does the underground tunnel mean right and um jesus is just like i don't know yeah i also i you know i wrote down in my notes that the shit in the toilet could be a, the alchemical symbol for the sun huh. i don't know if that's true or not but it kind of reminds me of that a little bit you know, so Sam is beating him up and torturing him. And he's like, tell me about the songs. Why would you write the, why did you put the codes in the songs? Right. And Jesus, uh, Jesus is like, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't write those songs. Sam mentions like three different songs from the album. Well, no, he says, which ones. He oh says yeah. He, he says, which ones didn't you write? Yeah. Which I, songs did they, they gave me those songs. Yeah. The label gave me those songs. That's yeah. what Jesus says. Yeah. And so, which song? Sam says, "Which songs did they? Did you?" Uh, did they give you? Did they give you? And he yes. says, "Turning teeth, Wire Mountain, and the waltz With of the, the Chir- Sh- Christian, Christian shit farmers. farmers." Ah, that's a good title. Yeah. What's the second one? Wire Mountain. Wire Mountain. Interesting. And so, uh, Sam says, "Oh, all the hits." Yeah. And he says, "Like, there's no reason to demean true. me, yeah. man." Yeah. And he tortures him a little more. And then Jesus tells him that the songs were delivered to him anonymously by the label. He's not supposed to ask any questions and that he doesn't know who wrote the songs, that it was just an important piece of music given to him by the songwriter. And Sam's like, the songwriter? The songwriter? Yeah. Yeah. He's like, yeah, the songwriter. Yeah. And so now we see Sam (laughs) running down the steps in the backyard with his arms to his side again. Yeah, yeah. And he approaches three shooting stars. So it's the balloon girl and the other two shooting stars. And he's like, "Hey, you know that house where that songwriter was supposed to live?" Yeah. He's like, "Can you take me there?" Yeah. And the uh, redhead with the silver who had the silver shoes. She looks really like she almost looks sort of turned on by that. She's like, "Yeah, yeah. sure, whatever." Yeah. Cool. She thinks it's cool that he wants to go and yeah. check it out. So. And she's wearing like leopard prints.
1: And, and so is and Alan. And
0: furs. But she's look at she's got all this animal stuff on, mm, so maybe right. she's supposed to be like a coyote, leading him again mm. to where he needs to go. Okay, I don't know. Oh, that's a good that's a good idea. It's sort of leopard. Yeah, it's it's stuff. more leopardy than coyote. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, she's again like you know Mercury travels, so she takes him from place to place. You know, yeah, she's kind of delivering him to an, another thing, and so Sam's figuring out that they that the balloon girl and the other two all know each other. They're all roommates, and, and, and they're and all shooting stars. The balloon girl is a shooting star. She's also a prostitute. Yeah. So Sam's like, you were an actress, and she says what? <laughs> she said she was on a soap opera between the ages of... Uh... <laughs> five and six months. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, That's when she was an actress. And then there's like this moment old. of silence where he's kind of confused, and there's like a musical sting. That oh, really? After she says it, yeah. Yeah, so they lead him to this, they're leading him up a street where there's a wall. And there are these conveniently placed trash cans to help him climb up the wall. And they really feel like they're put there like right out of a video game. Yeah. Right? Like it's such a video game like thing that's there to help you get up a level up onto another ledge or something like that. And we fade to Sam walking up a dirt path towards a a gigantic mansion. (laughs) It is huge. Um Way up on a, up on a, a hill. hill. It looks, it's a super matte painting here. Yeah, it's map obvious matte painting, but it's, it looks so fake. Yeah, they're not trying to make it real at all. So it what era paint? It looks it's it feels to me like it's supposed to look like an old painting. Yeah. What do you can you think of what era this might be? Um, it's a European style yeah. style, but it's like post Renaissance, I would yeah. say. I don't know who it is, but I, I wonder if this is supposed to be replicating a certain painter's right. style. Right. That's the feeling I get from it. And it's a gigantic ma- mansion off in the distance. Um, And so I think it, it's supposed to be hearkening to like Mount Olympus. Essentially. Right. Yeah, totally. Right? I, I completely agree with that. Yeah. yeah. He's like entering the land of mythology. Yeah. Yeah, so he's scaled this place. He's walking towards this giant mansion. Also, I do think the music here, if I remember correctly, is, I think it's right out of Citizen Kane. Oh, really? And I think that moment is a... A complete reference to Citizen Kane. I think it's a reference to the beginning of Citizen Kane. Okay, Yeah. that's interesting. Yeah, I think so. Because he's about to meet this rich, isolated man who has a secret. right. So that's sort of like who Citizen Kane is at the beginning of that movie. So in, you know, how this movie is always referencing old Hollywood films and stuff. So I think that's what a reference is. It's a reference to. And then we go to him walking across a tennis court. And what's there? Uh, There's some musical notes on the side of the tennis court. And that's part, that's from the theme to uh, It Follows, which is the director's previous movie. Yeah. which, Which allowed him to make this movie. Yep. Yeah, so he's sort of referencing his other movie in this, really, in a code. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So he walks through the tennis court. He walks by a pool. He references a lot of his other movies. Yeah. Yeah. He walks past a long pool with a statue. I can't figure out what it is. And that totally, like, when you talk about, like, Renaissance paintings. What? That pool. This looks like a Renaissance painting. It's a very old, like, another kind of Greek, like, temple kind of the way it's designed it kind of, it feels like, it feels Greek to me. Yeah. It's all Greek to me. Yeah. Um, so he goes, and then he enters in through the kitchen of the mansion. Mm-hmm. And he comes up through the another room. The kitchen is blue. The kitchen's blue and white, which is Greek, a uh, Greek theme colors and as well. the next room is red. So he's walking through this big dining room and he passes a painting that has a naked woman next to an ostrich. And she's reaching up towards a hand that's coming down um, a hand with a giant wing, so it's like this woman reaching up towards an angel. Right. We um, don't know what painting it is. No, we don't. But um, I just thought it's significant that it's there. Right. And then he enters the songwriter's lair. Yeah, and you can hear piano in the background as he's coming. When in. there's sort of when he's walking in, there's sort of like a wolf or coyote Yeah. There's picture. there's stuffed and there's stuffed like taxidermied animals all over this room. Yeah. There's a, like a polar bear. Yeah. There's a uh, wolf. There are musical instruments everywhere. There are rock and roll posters all over the wall. There's gold a, records. Oh, there are gold records. There's a picture of some old Hollywood actress that I don't know who yeah. it is. There's a Z, stuffed zebra, stuffed wolf, a stuffed polar bear, and every kind of instrument you could think of really scattered around the room. Um, and then we're kind of looking at the uh, the back of the head of the songwriter who's there at the piano He's a silver haired haired man. He's playing piano. He's just yeah. chilling there, and in my mind, he's clearly waiting for Sam. Right. Yeah. He's it definitely knows, feels that he way. knows he's coming. Yeah. He's not surprised that this stranger just walked into his house. So yeah, who knows how often that happens? But I, I don't think it happens very often. No. So I think because of all the stuff that Sam's been doing, and he he figured out the song. Yeah. Right, which led him towards. Uh, the Green Man, Osiris, and to yeah. going underground and seeing the the the, the temple underground there, and right. and he knows that the the cartoonist is dead, and that's overlooked by the uh, the Griffith Park Observatory, and we know that the owl the owl's kiss knows he's there, and so I think because of all this, the songwriter has definitely been alerted that Sam has done all this, and he knows he's coming. Right. I think he's he's well aware. And plus, the shooting stars brought him there. And it's it's all the same people, con- group of people, conspiracy. Yeah. So someone's definitely tipped him off, at the very least, that he's coming. Or if he's supposed to be some sort of omnipotent god figure, like a Zeus knows. in Mount yeah. Olympus, then he just sort of knows that Sam's yeah. coming, right? Right. So Sam comes in. He asks him if he wrote Turning Teeth. And he put codes in the music. And what does the songwriter say? He's just like, "Uh, yeah, I guess. I don't know. He just sort of shrugs it off as if it's not that important. He says something like, I write a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. And we scan past a bunch of guitars. And Sam gets caught up on this one guitar. And he's like, is this Kurt Cobain's guitar? And uh, the songwriter's like, "Mm, I don't know. Probably. Probably. But... Kurt Cobain's guitar is right next to um, Paul McCartney's bass, right. his, Hoff- his famous Hoffner bass. Right. And there's a lot of conspiracy around Paul McCartney. Sure, You know, there's that whole Paul, Paul is, is dead, dead. thing. Yeah. And that the current Paul is actually uh, like a, he's like a Scottish songwriter named Billy Sh- William Shears, uh-huh. which is where Billy Shears comes from, and a right. little help from my friends. Right. And that Paul died, and they found someone who looked like Paul who could play music, and he got plastic surgery to take Paul's place and they call him Fall, which is fake Paul. Uh-huh. Um, and Paul McCartney always seems to be very like, he's always getting the push, you know what I mean? All the time. So they, it, people kind of have that sort of conspiracy theory that he's like, he's sort of bought and sold right. in you know the up, upper upper echelons of the music business. Right. That kind of idea. And plus, he's still alive, so there's always that conspiracy, like, why is George and John right. dead? And right. both of them were... John was murdered, and someone broke into George's house and tried to murder him at one point as well, so... Right. um' was kiss. But why... Is, yeah. But why is Paul still alive? <laughs> I, anyway, right. there's a lot of weird conspiracy around sure. Paul and that there's conspiracy around that the Beatles didn't possibly write some of their songs. Right. And... Um, there's an idea that the Beatles are part of a whole push with the British invasion to get drugs into the culture. Huh. Yeah. Why would they push that? Because they wanted to destabilize the family unit. Okay. So, all the protesting with Vietnam and they wanted to destabilize the hippie culture, which was making headway into actually protesting against the war and they were very anti-establishment. and Right, but wasn't drug black... cultures already established in the hip, hippie culture? I don't know if it was all about drugs necessarily. I mean, it was probably there, but they were making a lot of headway. Are you thinking it's Buddy Holly's guitar? I don't guitar? know. It's not. Okay. I, I was just wondering what some of these other guitars let like, That steel guitar? Yeah, like, I, don't yeah, know I mean, is. if if they're doing Paul McCartney's guitar yeah. and Kurt Cobain's, then I feel like these other guitars have to be someone else. There's guitar. another steel guitar next to Paul McCartney's bass and Andy's trying to figure out what it is. But yeah, there's an idea that the Beatles were sort of a plant to help push uh drug culture into the youth culture to destabilize the whole hippie movement that was making a lot of political headway. And they all that's also the theory around um What's his name? Uh, Helter Skelter there. Right. What's his name? Oh, Charlie? Charles Manson. Yeah. But that was also there to ruin the, the idealism of hippie culture and ruin and have it so that people just saw them as like pests. So Charles Manson was and, a plant? Uh, well, there is CIA connections with Charles Manson. Oh. At, at Charles Manson, actually. Yeah. Weird. There's a lot of there's definitely um, scholarship around that. So, yeah, Charles Manson has a lot of weird right. History. Yes. He's yeah. fucking Right, he does. It's really he fucking was, uh, weird. So, Brian Manson's And he was also a songwriter, it. right? Yeah. And he auditioned for the Monkees. Yeah. But, yeah, they think that there was CIA. Uh, there's some sort of CIA relationship with mm-hmm. Charles Manson. So that he could have been another, uh, what do you call it? Um, you know, like a programmed guy. Yeah. Uh, like Sirhan Sirhan or something like that or whoever killed the... Uh, the guy who killed john lennon someone who had been mind controlled and and as you know uh triggered into doing certain stuff right but that maybe they didn't weren't act that charles manson wasn't actually responsible for those murders and that was a whole thing to set up to destabilize the whole uh right the hippie movement as well but um anyway the i mean there are images of the beatles doing masonic symbols like pictures of them doing some masonic symbols and and also uh uh there are references to aleister crowley in the beatles on sergeant pepper's aleister crowley is on on the album cover right and the the album cover help they're doing arm movements on the album cover help that are i think that has something to do with like these positions that have something to do with either masonry or aleister crowley as well okay and then there's that whole yeah, those, okay. those arm movements that yeah. they're doing on the cover help. And then all the backward stuff that they start doing around uh, the Sgt. Pepper era. Aleister Crowley had a thing about doing backward stuff in the Magic right. as well. So they think that could also be an Aleister Crowley piece huh. as well. So yeah, there's a lot of weird shit around the Beatles for sure. sure. That's why I think maybe that's why Paul McCartney's bass is there. I don't know. Just, <laughs> it's obviously there just as a as a reference to like Maybe somebody else wrote Paul's right. songs. Right, exactly. You yeah, know, I agree. Yeah, Sam is confronting the songwriter who's sitting at the at the piano playing, and he starts asking him questions. Uh, you know about uh, why you put the messages in "Turning Teeth." Yeah, and the songwriter starts telling him that he wrote the songs that his dad loved and his grandfather loved, right. and. He starts off playing Crazy Train as the first song he plays. Yeah. Here's the here's the sequence. So, all during this conversation the songwriter is playing while he's talking. Right. And this actor this is an incredible piece of acting by this guy. He's so much subtlety and naturalism to the way he delivers all this stuff. And there's also a real depth of experience that you feel off of this guy like He's a truly old man who's seen a lot, Right, you know what I mean? Right, but, and knows but a how lot. does he look in the movie? I mean, right. it, it looks like a person wearing old man makeup, though. but really good old man makeup. It's awesome old man makeup, but it definitely looks like a guy wearing old man makeup. And the, the actor, I looked him up online, this actor who's playing the old songwriter, and he's probably in his 40s, so he's a much younger man. Right. And I wonder if they cast him because he could play the piano. Yeah, maybe. Songer's Jeremy, Jeremy Bob. Bob. Anyway, he's a much younger man than he is. He's probably in his 40s when they're filming this, I would bet. And he doesn't, and as far as I remember, he doesn't look at all like the character looks. Like his no. nose is different, you know what I mean? Like his facial features are, are well, see, he's a much younger guy. Yeah, he is the younger younger. And they've given him this whole weird as an old man and they've given him this really extreme nose there's yeah. something about the nose that really feels familiar to me and i i feel like this guy is supposed to be referencing somebody specific huh but i don't know i can't figure out who he is i mean he with his hair and the big sideburns you know he looks like a it, it kind of is elvisy a little bit the way he looks there's there's something about him that, you know, it just feels like a guy who whose fashion sense stopped in like the the early 70s, yeah. maybe. You know? Um okay, and so here's the sequence of songs that he plays during this conversation he does. Crazy Train by Ozzy. I Want It That Way, which is I Want It That That's Way. Kids on the Block. Which is no, it's the other one. In sync. No, it's, it's the, the other, other one. one. Uh Boys to men? No. no, it's the other one. I can't think of what their name is right know. now. But um, anybody who would know, Backstreet Boys. Backstreet Boys. Oh, yeah. How could, I, how could I forget that? So he goes from Crazy Train to I Want It That Way to the theme song from Cheers to I Want to Know What Love Is to In a Gada Davida. Now, In a Davida is actually supposed to be in the Garden of Eden, right? And it, the guy was drunk and he couldn't say it properly, is what the rumor is. He goes from Inagata De Vida to Earth Angel. so Right. From Inigo- in the Garden of Eden to Earth Angel. And then he goes from there to Smells Like Teen Spirit. Yeah. Then he goes to Push It. I Love Rock and Roll. Where Is My Mind by the Pixies. Yeah. Then he goes to Ode to Joy by... Right. Uh, we figured out it's Frederick Schiller. Yeah. Who wrote Ode to Giant Joy in 1785. Right. But when he plays that... He's making a point of being like, that's the first song he plays when he's like, and I wrote this song. Right. And I wrote this song, and I wrote this song. So we're going to get to that. He plays Axel F. from uh, Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah. He plays La Bamba, and he finishes with Pinball Wizard. Right. So that's the sequence of songs he plays, which I thought was cool. So Sam is asking him why he put this message in the song, and he's essentially telling him that He's written a lot of songs and he's putting, put a lot of messages into a lot of songs and he uses the songs as sort of like continuations of his of thoughts. Conversations. Yeah. yeah. Cause he says something to the effect of, I put a lot of messages in a lot of songs and he, and he sings, I want it that way. Yeah. So he, he's saying that he wants to, he wants to, put these hidden messages in the pop songs to influence people. Right. That's what his job is, essentially. And... Well, but he, But then after he says that, he says, tell me why, and then he gets... kind of prompts Sam to tell him. Yeah. Yeah, he uh, says, tell me why. And okay. the conversation goes on. Yeah. Uh, but, but, like, when he's talking about the messages actually being in the songs, like, Sam is, like, I feel like he's kind of, like, having this moment interior moment where he's like I'm not crazy kind of yeah like he Sam like right is, here yeah you know like that's like a like some emotion welling up that he can't deal with because yeah. he's like oh I'm not it's all real it's real yeah that Sam's theory that there was hidden messages in these things that are for other people is yeah. absolutely right yeah and he says uh, he says so you put hidden messages in pops on so Sam says you're telling me you, there's hidden messages in pop songs, and the songwriter says movies, television shows, everything you know. And he says, "I blow my nose on in a Kleenex, and out comes your wedding song." Right. Yeah. And then he plays, "I want to know what love is." Yeah. And Sam starts asking about the tunnels. Yeah. Says Sam's like, "What are the tunnels for? Is there gonna be a war?" And the guy's like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. It's really his delivery. Every line he delivers is incredible. This this actor is just killing it. And he's like, I don't he's essentially saying he doesn't give a shit. He does all this to just make some money. Right. I mean, it sounds like like you think he's the top of the chain, but there's people who are paying him to do this. Absolutely. And, And he doesn't quite know probably what it's for. Well, he doesn't seem to care right. what it's for. Okay. Even if he does know, yeah, he no longer gives a shit. Well, it's kind of like because he knows the meaning behind everything. And mm-hmm. it's meaningless, kind of. Like, it's just a bunch of secret conversations. It's just goof. It's, it's all for nothing. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. 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 It's hollow. And so, but Sam's like, why do you do that? You have everything. And he gives this beautiful beat of like, No. Yeah. I don't it's essentially being like he knows that even though he's this super rich man, you know, who has all this success, he he's there's something missing from yeah. his life as well. Yeah. You know, so I mean Sam is like a poorer guy mm-hmm. who's like who doesn't have much in his life and is right on this quest to find the meaning of his life, and he gets to this guy who's essentially being depicted as God in this right. moment, and God is saying, I don't got it, I don't, I don't got it either. Yeah. I don't know what the meaning is. Yeah. You know. ultimately, like, I'm unfulfilled too. Right. Right. Yeah. And he's an old man who's seen and done everything and presumably at the end of, you know, closing on the end of his life. And it feels like this really poignant moment of ultimately, he doesn't know why it's all this way. Right. You know, yeah. even though he knows what's going on. Right. this conspiracy is happening and it's real and it's that they've been toying with culture for decades right but that it's all for nothing and what is that's empty that's such an empty right you know ultimately an empty gesture an empty life right that he's lived in a way right and he's alone yeah right in this yeah. moment and, so he, and, and again and like giant Cis- house yeah like citizen kane yeah. he's like get all this but he has nothing yeah you know So uh, Sam shows him the picture of, oh, he goes, what's the, he says, he says, I don't always worry about what the message is. I just pass it along. I slip it in between the notes, hide it away for people that know it's there. Yeah. Which is a beautiful line. He says, I don't care what's fashionable or cool. It's all silly and it's all meaningless. I created so many of the things that you care about, the songs that give your life. Purpose and joy. When you were fifteen and rebelling, you were rebelling to my music. Right. But before he says that, uh-huh. he shows a picture of Sarah. Uh, do you know what happened to this girl? He just says she's pretty Yeah, and he starts playing Earth Angel. Yeah. But yeah. he Which is an reinforcement of Sarah is sort of this angelic figure right. the whole time. Right. But it seems like he doesn't know that Jefferson Severance is Dead, in yeah, quotes. he doesn't know that what's going on no. with us with what's happened to Sarah and Jefferson yeah, sevens. No. he doesn't he's not aware of any of that, yeah, apparently, he doesn't give a shit, yeah, and there's something that he says about the rebellion. We have to find that part It's coming up, I think, okay. When you were fifteen and rebelling, you're rebelling to my music, ok. so he says he's re- you're rebelling to my music, and he starts playing smells like teen Spirit, yeah. And uh, he's like, that song wasn't written on a guitar. It was uh, written right here on piano by me. Yeah. And I did it somewhere between a blowjob and an omelet. Okay. So a blowjob and an yeah. omelet, sperm and egg. Yeah. There's that. The obelisk and the. The the the, the dome. dome and the obelisk, the yeah. male and the female, the right. fertility. Yeah. Ritual. The fertility ritual. Yeah. There it is again. Yeah. So I did it but somewhere between a blowjob and an omelet. Yeah. There is no rebellion. He goes, okay, this is it. There is no rebellion. There's only me earning a paycheck. Okay, so I kind of look at this moment, and especially because that line has been inserted. You know how there's this thing uh, in rock and roll about selling your soul to the devil? That goes as far back as uh, Robert, uh, the blues musician Robert Johnson, Johnson, who met the devil at the crossroads and sold his soul to the devil to learn to play the blues. So that idea is introduced over and over again in rock and roll, of selling your soul to the devil. Right, And he's talking about the rebellion. And so he says, there is no rebellion. There's only me earning a paycheck. And so who led a rebellion against God was Lucifer right. and was cast out of heaven. And so I, I have this kind of theory that while the songwriter is so... Sort of Sam's god in a way because he's so he's the creator, sin. he's the creator of all Sam's uh mythology in his life essentially, you know. Like, yeah, he's created all the things yeah. that he loves, right? So, he's essentially created Sam's identity, right? But he's like an evil god, right? Right? He's like, right, a, and there's so, all these stories of musicians making deals with the devils, so right? It's deals with him. With him. Yeah. Right. Okay. So he's Satan essentially. Right. He's kind of uh the anti-God. Right. Yeah. So he's got everything, but he is nothing. He's rebelled against God. And there and there's this whole idea of like the people that run the world secretly are these Saturnists or Satanists, that they're they're Luciferians. They are at war with God. And they're rebelling against God, and they're trying to be God. So they've rejected right. God, and they're trying to create reality in their image instead. So they're trying to be like God. They're trying right. to replace God, right. But they're bad, and they're they're doing things for evil reasons. so they're they're a um, a, a distortion of God or a, a a defilement of God in a way. Okay. And so uh, I've been trying to make sense out of him, mythologically, kind of who the songwriter is. And I guess in a way he is kind of Satan. Okay. You know what I mean? Like he's kind of in a position of Zeus in, up on Mount Olympus, but I don't think he's Is there Zeus. like an Egyptian version of who he would be? Like set? or? I don't know. I don't know enough about that stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of feel like, though, because of that whole thing of, like, selling your soul to the devil in rock and roll, that he's kind of like the devil. Right. Um, okay, so... He's not running to Tenacious D yet. No, it but he will funny. soon. Yeah. Um, no, he's already met Tenacious oh, D yeah, by I 2011. Right. Yeah, you're probably right. So he goes, everything you hope for that you dreamed about is a fabrication. And while he's saying this, it's a close-up on his face. Yeah. And he's looking straight into the camera so this is another another message for us the audience yeah he says says, i am the voice of your generation yeah Uh, yeah he says he's the voice of our generation our parents generation our grandparents generation and the generation that'll come after you and he's playing i love rock and roll yeah and he's laughing at sam that sam is like aghast at all this information and you know, like how everything's lie and he's just laughing at him like, you're a fool. Yeah. And so now we go to him looking straight into the camera and you really get it. Awesome where Is My Mind. S- oh, he's playing Where Is My Mind by the right. Pixies. And you get this, you get a really good shot of his old man makeup, which yeah, is some of the incredible. best old man makeup I've ever seen. It's fucking, look. it looks amazing. It looks really great. And I do think he is supposed to be somebody specific, but I. Right. I don't know who he is so he says everything that you looking straight into the camera he says everything that you hope for that you dreamed about is a fabrication your writing your art your culture is the shell of other men's ambitions ambitions beyond what you will ever understand and that theme is throughout the whole movie yep like all every scene is reinforcing this is like just yeah. this Empty culture on top of this older culture. Yep. And so this is like, again, one of those moments where we, the audience, are supposed to get the filmmaker's thesis. Like, if there's a, anything that really represents what this whole movie is about, I think that's the moment. Right. Like that someone is pulling something over on all of us. Right. And that our entire, the entirety of our own identity was created by men that we don't understand. For reasons that we don't understand right to manipulate us and to get us to act certain ways we'll never know why right and so our, we're just these empty right. zombies <laughs> stumbling through life yeah. uh, absorbing the genius of more important men or gods in a right. way you know what i mean yeah we're just whims of the gods right you know what i mean yeah so it's a beautiful a really and incredibly delivered by this actor he's killing it this whole yeah. monologue he's Crushing it like a, this is like an actor's dreams, right? More. Yeah, it is it and is he's such playing a showcase Yeah, it really is for a person and he's playing different songs the whole time while he's doing it And I, so that's kind of like a one-man show it really is. Oh, yeah, you're right. You know? you're right. Yeah Yeah, it, it is. I agree. I agree and he goes because I wrote this song yeah. and he starts playing Ode to joy. Yeah, which we just figured out right before we started recording. We didn't know what song it was. Right, Strangely enough. I mean, we knew the song because it's a super famous song. Right. But, but we, we didn't know like, what we it was. place it. And so Ode to Joy. So he's saying, I wrote this song. Yeah. And he starts playing Ode to Joy. And Ode to Joy was re- written in 1785. So, by Frederick Schiller. So this guy's really old. <laughs> so he's not. Or maybe a, he's immortal. He's immortal. Yeah. He's a god. Yeah. Or he could be the devil, which right. would also make him immortal. Right. Or it could be Frederick Schiller. Right. But they're all they're talking about immortality through the whole movie. Yes. So, so in a way, maybe he's already been through all the rituals right. hundreds of years ago. Right. And now he's cursed to be this lonely man high up on a hill. Right. Writing the secret messages for the world and fooling us all. And now that's his role after becoming immortal. So even after becoming oh, immortal, do you think, do you think he wrote still Fool on the Hill? I'd like to think so. Yeah, okay. maybe it's yeah. a Paul McCartney song. Yeah, exactly. Maybe he did write that one. So okay, so tell us more about "Ode to Joy" by Friedrich Schiller. Okay, well, it's written in 1785 by a German poet, poet playwright, uh, and historian, and uh, it's best known for being used by Beethoven in the fourth movement of his Ninth Symphony. So there again is the number nine. Right. Is this the first time we see nine in, yes. our, in yeah. this uh, in this in this grouping? Part, yeah, I mean, we maybe we've seen it earlier, we just haven't noticed it. So, the Ninth Symphony. Yeah. Okay. Written by Friedrich Schiller in 1785, and then used by Beethoven in his Ninth Symphony, which is his last symphony, yeah, in 1808. 1820, 1824. 1824. Okay, so this guy's old as fuck, who wrote this, uh, apparently, that he wrote. Now, one of the interesting things about this song is it's the first song to use a chorus and to use human voices. Well, the first, uh, probably not the first song, but the first uh, classical piece. Right. To do that. To have a chorus and to use voices. Yeah. It was a big deal. So so that's almost like the first pop song. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 What else do you know? I don't know. I don't know nothing. Okay. Um, Okay. So Andy's going to read. You want to read the the lyrics to Ode to Joy? you want to do yeah. it? I guess so. All right, Andy's going to read the, these are the translated lyrics to Ode to read Joy. i some of them. We're, I don't know if we're going to go through the whole thing. Yeah, just do it. Okay. Joy, beautiful spark of divinity, and then parentheses says, or of gods, daughter of Elysium. We enter, drunk with fire, heavenly one, thy sanctuary, thy magic binds again. What customs strictly divided, all people become brothers where thy gentle wings abide. Whoever has succeeded in the great attempt to be a friend's friend, whoever has won a lovely woman, add his to the jub- jubilation. Yes, and also whoever is just one soul to call his own in this world, and he who has never managed to slink weeping from this union, all creatures drink of joy, at nature's breast, All the just, all the evil, follow her trail of roses. Kisses she, give, she gave us, and grapevines, a friend, proven in death. Ecstasy was given to the worm, and the cherub stands before God. Gladly, he, his sons fly. And that's S-U-N, S, not S-O-N. Uh. Gladly his, his sons fly through the heavens grand plan. Go on, brothers, your way. Joyful. I used your way, or I guess my way. hmm. different, sorry. Joyful, like a hero to victory, he embraced millions. This kiss to all the world. Brothers, above the starry canopy, there must dwell a loving father. Are you collapsing, millions? Do you sense the creator world? Dig him above starry canopy, above stars, he must dwell, or must he dwell. So, there's this reference to Elysium, and that's, yeah. again, I think we're coming back to the, the Greek mysteries, I mean. right? you know, and, uh, were there, are they saying, like, drunk on fire? Drunk with fire, they say, and that, drunk with fire is like a reference to the Holy Spirit, I think. Uh-huh. you know. You know, like uh, when Jesus comes back after he's resurrected and all the apostles have fire above their head. Right. It's like the Holy Spirit, you know, the the crown chakra. It's going off and they're all like connected to God. Right. So, um, I don't know. It's just a really amazing poem. Yeah. But it it does have this sort of like Greek mystery references in it as well. Yeah, so that's it. So he wrote that song. (laughs) From uh, right. Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, right? So he goes from Beethoven's Ninth to uh, what's the next song? He goes, I wrote that, and, and I plays, wrote. He plays the music. This to Beverly Hills Cop. He wrote. He goes. He's he plays Axel F. Yeah. He then he and I wrote this La Bamba. He plays La Bamba. Yeah, yeah. And he wrote and I wrote this too. And he starts playing Pinball Wizard. Right. And so he's riffing on Pinball Wizard, and Sam starts and he's laughing, laughing at him. Laughing. And Sam's like, who's paying you to write those songs? And he's laughing. Who's paying you to write these songs? Sam's got the guitar in his hand. He gets up to pr- approach him. And immediately the songwriter pulls out a pistol and starts <laughs> right. shooting at him. Yeah. So my first question is, why does he have a gun right next to his piano? <laughs> well, we were talking about this before the recurred, and I you're saying it's it's like a killer be killed moment. Mm-hmm. Like he's there to test Sam. Yeah. And also maybe to die. So, yeah, kind of my theory of, about this is like he knows Sam's coming. Yeah. He knows that crazy shit's been going on. Right. right. So Sam is potentially dangerous. Right. So he's waiting for him with a gun because maybe in a way, you know, Sam's onto to all their stuff. Right. Maybe this is a way to take him out. Right. Well, you know, like. And that's, like, that famous, like, way where the evil guy reveals his plan and then he tries Tries to to kill the the hero. Yeah. So this is kind of that moment. But I do also think that possibly this is a test to see if Sam can, that the songwriter is ready to die. He's been this immortal man who's lived all this life and realizes it's all for nothing. Right. And that maybe he wants Sam to beat him and kill him and replace him. Right. Sam is associated with music. Uh, we had said that baby Sam represents Orpheus, which is right. this music playing god. And so maybe this and is an opportunity. obsessed with codes. Mm-hmm. Right. He's obsessed with codes. He's figured yeah. out this whole mystery. Yeah. So maybe this is the opportunity for Sam, the killer be killed kind of right. test. I mean, do you think to, it's like every few years or so, some musician shows up who's figured out the codes and. That's possible. You know what I mean? Like so, yeah. so it's like Sam is the the,
1: the latest s-
0: the, the sixth Neo or whatever. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this whatever. is the sixth version of the, of no, Earth yeah. and <laughs> of the Matrix and yeah. Sam is the latest Neo. Yeah. Yeah, I mean cuz clearly like those the codes and all this shit is placed there so that someone will decode it and figure it out and find right. this guy. Right. Or maybe maybe the songwriter is just a title. And it's kind of like a James Bond title where it's, like yeah, it's like, so there's a session of like the new songwriter kills the old songwriter and becomes the and new becomes, songwriter. And so then he has written all the songs because he's the songwriter. Yeah. I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder, I mean, he has to become immortal in order right. to do it in a way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, okay. So he starts shooting at Sam and he hits like, he hits like hits a, a guitar uh, and he a, shoots through like a cello and he shoots into an amp yeah. and he, and Sam pops his head up and goes, ah, and ducks yeah. behind the amp yeah. and he shoots a gong. Yeah, um, probably bottom. And then Sam comes out, rushes him with his guitar over his head. Oh yeah, well he runs out of bullets and that's when Sam. Oh, okay. Yeah. He runs out of bullets, Sam gets up and charges him with his yeah. guitar. The songwriter is still playing the piano. Yeah, yeah, he's playing Pinball Wizard this whole time. Yeah. He pulls out another gun, yeah, and gets ready to shoot at Sam, point pretty much point blank, yeah. yeah. And I've we tried to <laughs> we've tried to pause it pause it, but and I think I've done this on my computer, and it, and it looks a, a little easier to tell. But I think he takes one shot at Sam, nearly point point blank, blank, and I think the bullet ricochets off the guitar. It's really hard to tell, but I, I that's my theory is that. He misses Sam, and the bullet ricochets off his guitar, and Sam swings like Pete Townsend and smacks the songwriter in the head and knocks him backwards onto a white rug. Yeah. Do you think that's why they chose Pinball Wizard? Oh, that would make sense. So they're playing The Who, and now he's swinging the guitar around like Pete Townsend. Yeah, he smashes the guitar. He breaks his guitar. Yeah. Oh, oh, it's such a rock and roll move when he kills the songwriter with a guitar. And and then there's one of the gnarliest... So this is a really expertly done where the songwriter's head is perfectly, you know, like in the, he's, he's lying on the white rug. Yeah. And he's sort of almost peacefully looking up at Sam, who's about to swing the guitar on his head. And the guitar comes down and smashes his face into like a soup. Yeah. Like it's, it's completely fake looking. It's so gross and fake. But it's really effective because just the moment before he looks completely real, Right. So it's a really nice digital effect, I think. It always... Yeah. I I find it strangely pleasing. Right. I don't know how to explain yeah. that. He smashes him in the face, and his face is just gone. Just fucking gone. I assume that he's been waiting for this moment for someone to kill him. Right. So this is a moment of peace for him. Right. It's it over. Finally. Finally, it, it can turn into soup. And um, we circle... Uh Sam from below. So we're seeing like the cathedral ceiling of the the room as the camera spins around Sam. And Sam is in a blood frenzy yeah. as he clubs uh the songwriter's head into mulch. Yeah. And there's blood splattering all yeah. over Sam and it his guitar like breaks ecstasy, in though, half. He looks yeah. like he's in an, an ec- ecstatic yeah. state. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the song is like a weird, heavenly, distorted version of Turning Teeth, I think. Yeah, at that moment. yeah. It's an incredible fucked yeah. up scene. Yeah. It's totally, and it's out of nowhere also. Yeah. So it, it, the first time watching it, it's really surprising. Oh, that he's like, oh, he's murdering him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, good God. <laughs> so this is the moment where Sam becomes the God killer. Right. Okay. So Sam is killed, he's murdered his God just then. Okay. Yeah, so beware the dog killer, backwards the God-killer, Sam is the God-killer. Okay, so killer. he wasn't the God-killer until now. He has become the God-killer. Okay. He's killed his God. And, and that's how you become God as, as yeah. well as kill your God. Right. Right? So you take his place. Right. Essentially. So you goodness. go from worshiping God to yourself in a way. Yeah. So now we cut to Sam standing on his porch during a thunderstorm. Yeah. Okay, and he's standing there, and he's looking pretty cool. Yeah. You know, he's looking pretty relaxed. He's still wearing the t-shirt that he, no, he's changed his t-shirt. Yeah. But doesn't this t-shirt have blood on it It as well? does have blood on it. Yeah. Why? I don't know. Because he was wearing the Frankenstein shirt, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah. So why does this t-shirt have blood on it? I don't know. Maybe it was under his Frankenstein shirt, or maybe, I don't know. That's fucking weird. I agree. I never thought about that. I was thinking about that when we were watching it earlier. I was like, that's a different shirt, but it has blood on it. Huh. It has something on it. Yeah. It looks like a couple little splotches of blood. So he's standing there. We're hearing the, the parrot across the way saying something, saying whatever he's saying. Yeah. Again. So we're supposed to notice that. Yeah. And on the TV is the old Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Yeah, pretty origi- sure. The original one, right? And the guy's saying, You fools, you're in danger. They're all around us. Yes. Yeah. What does he say? Can't you see they're after you? They're after all of us. Our wives, our children, everyone. They're here already. You're, you're next. next. So it's that ominous thing of like this conspiracy surrounds us all and we're all going potential victims of it yeah and we cut to sam sitting in his bedroom he's not sleeping Uh, he's sort of sitting up in his bed well he hears glass break Uh uh-huh but i think he's like you know it's that moment in the movie where it's if he's sleeping it's a restless sleep but i think he's just sitting in his bed paranoid yeah with with his gun with the He's grabbed the uh the songwriter's gun. Right. At oh Yeah. End of that yeah last uh, scene. With the songwriter's gun. Yeah. yeah. So now he's sitting with the gun in his bed, and we hear glass breaking, and he comes out into his main room, yeah, and kind of living room. the glass on his porch sliding door is busted. He's wandering around the dark with the gun out, trying to find, you know, trying to see if he can spot somebody. And out of a low cabinet in his kitchen comes. Foot first, yeah. the owl's kiss. Kind of like coming out of the cabinet sideways, kind of unnaturally. It's stylized like the way she walks. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. What's she doing there? I don't know. She's got a knife. She's got a big knife. So he turns around as she approaches him from behind with a big knife. He sees her, he screams, and she goes. (laughs) Something like that. that. That It's some weird. Yeah. Bird noise. Bird noise. It's and not a human noise. She, makes. she scampers into another room. She scampers into his bedroom and yeah. wh- shuts the door. Yeah. Why does she run away? I don't know. It's so weird. Yeah. He, he, he had a gun. If she's a supernatural creature, that shouldn't kill her. Right. A gun. So is she a real person? She, bent, she had to bend the bars to get into the comic guy's house. Is she a regular person who walks around naked with an owl mask on and a knife? Probably yeah I mean if she can't be real because she can't be normal because she's been around since the 20s when the guy who said that all dogs must die died right right Right? because he was writing about the owl's kiss back then wasn't he right was he I don't know Mm, I'm not sure either okay I don't think she's totally human no because she she goes into his room and then she disappears yeah she's not there when he goes to look in his closet and then his uh dresser drawers. Yes. He looks around in his room. He looks under the bed, he looks in the closet. He looks in his dresser. <laughs> now someone made a point online of that his notes are gone. Oh yeah. But I don't notice maybe that. Maybe that's really what gone. he's looking for in the drawer. Maybe, but they never clarify that his notes are gone. Uh-huh. So I don't know if that's really a thing, honestly. And there's a monkey with a pipe, maybe? Sitting on his dresser. Yeah. A monkey with a pipe. Don't know if that means anything. Neither do I. So he's walking around with his gun and someone knocks at the front door. Right. He comes to the front door and outside is a woman. He puts the gun to the door. Yeah. And outside is a woman, a female cop, knocking on the door. Yeah. He's like, oh, fuck. Yeah. So he opens the door. There she is, standing there with the landlord behind her. And she's like, you got to leave the premises. He's like, uh, this is about the rent, isn't it? Yeah. And the guy, the landlord's like, yes, it's criminally overdue. Right, yeah. And you can see even then when the landlord's talking behind her that the cop is a little annoyed by the landlord. Right, yeah, totally. She doesn't really like him. No. And he's like, just give me another few days to get the money. She's like, yeah. I don't think so. He's like, I'll get it, I promise. She's like, no. She's like, I don't like this either. It's this the yeah. worst part of my job. And so Sam looks resigned, like, okay, I will, I understand, I will go. And she, she sighs and she says, okay, I'll tell you what, I'll give you one more day. Yeah. And the, the landlord's like, no, yeah. I want him out now. And she's like, hey, don't get greedy. I'm yeah. handling this. Yeah. So they go away and he's got one more day to pay the rent. Right. So we're on day, this is day five. Right of his enlightenment, and we're right. gonna we're we're heading into day six, I guess, if he gets one extra day. Right, and uh, it, and he's gonna get the rent, right? It really seems like he's really, he really wants to get the rent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, he no, he not does at not at give all. a he, shit about getting the care. rent. But I think it's important that it's a woman saving him in this right. moment. Right. Okay. You know, because the goddess is always around him. Right. Giving him clues or whatever. And so I think it's important that the cop is a woman and that right. she's giving him a, a moment, a day of grace, Right. Sort of. Okay. Okay. And so he's out on the porch smoking. And what do we see down um, next to the pool? Uh, there's somebody digging through the trash, making a racket. And it's a coyote. And again, it's some conveniently placed garbage cans. Yeah, very shiny. Very shiny silver. One garbage can is knocked over and the coyote is yeah. digging through it again. Yeah. And so what is Sam supposed to do if he sees a coyote? You got to follow it. going to follow that MFer. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to stop here. So we will follow the coyote next time. We Sam is about to follow the coyote again. Uh, we're about to go into another of my favorite sequences nice. of this movie. It's like every sequence another. is my yeah. favorite sequence. Yeah, exactly. But uh yeah, this was a really important couple sequences in this film like him beating up Jesus. Yeah. Oh, and you made a point a long time ago to me that in order to get to oh to God the yeah, Father the, the, yeah, the God yeah. the 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 songwriter God yeah he has to go to Jesus first yeah so he goes and beats up Jesus so he can get to the evil God sure which is funny yeah and that God gave Jesus the the, the, me- the hidden messages yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah. yeah that sort of reinforces his kind of God slash Satan status as well yeah. That's really nice. Yeah. I I remember you pointing that out. Now, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even know if you ever pointed that out, like on uh, sh- on the show or. For I think talking. we did on the show, yeah. but maybe it was just when we were talking. But we're we're good. we're heading into the home stretch here, Phil. We got forty minutes left of this movie. <laughs> oh my god, we oh we still have forty minutes. Yeah. Holy shit, dude! Well, thirty nine minutes and thirteen seconds. Wow, oh, which is probably closer to like thirty minutes. Yeah. No, oh yeah, if you, after, after without credits. credits. Yeah, but yeah, when he, he's about to fall, that coyote. So, you know, something awesome is going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's beaten up Jesus. He's found, met, and murdered God. Yeah, slash Satan. Yeah, and he's learned more about the conspiracy. And he confronted, confronted the Alice uh, Kiss. Yeah, he confronted the Alice Kiss and survives. Yeah. Which is more than anyone else has done, supposedly. Right. So, is that like confronting your fear or something? It definitely. You know, because after that, I feel like he's more detached now and he doesn't care anymore. Do you know what I mean? Mm, like, yeah. He just falls the coyote. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. He's no. a little different after, well, probably after he, he killed this songwriter. I think he, once he kills the songwriter, he's definitely he's a little changed. free. He's, you know, that it's that he's conquered God in a way, and now yeah. he's, in some ways, he's sort of becoming more himself, right. if that makes any sense. Sure. He's a little more sure of himself. Right. Because he does some things from here on out that are, like, they're not desperate moves. No. They're moves of, like, someone who's determined to, to just get solve the, answers. Yeah. the thing and get the answer, and they're very proactive. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, maybe you're right. You're yeah. right, but I think confronting the the owl's kiss is like confronting the shadow in a way. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's definitely afraid before he confronts the owl's kiss. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Because there's that moment he's like kind of like oh shit I just killed someone. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Like are they they're after me? Or. But that would make sense. He's murdered somebody. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So I mean. And he already knows that the Alice Kisses murdered the cartoonist, so he must know that they're coming for him. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, I wonder what they, if anyone else wanted him to murder the songwriter. I don't know. It's interesting. Alan, probably. Alan did. Alan really hated the song. He's been manipulating him through this whole movie. What if this is all Alan's doing? Yeah, exactly. This Alan slash Ellen. Yeah. Who's Alan then? What god is Alan? I don't know. He's a minor god. He's a, he's a Gemini. He's the god of blouses. Yes. Yeah. Blouses. Gemini. Yeah. Mm, good call. Anyway, uh, that should do it for uh, this week yeah <laughs> we sort of peter out with that one yeah. um andy why to not you tell us where people can find you online i am on com. you can find links to my instagram and youtube channel and uh, other things i do i uh also do a podcast with our other brother carl restino called welcome to the art shed and uh our friend chris joins us and we talk about art and whatever else we talk about um and it's a lot of fun and very different from this kind of a yes, conversation it's, it's a little uh crazier <laughs> yeah it's a little more random me yeah you yeah. know well yeah it's, like, it's yeah. all up to carl's whims where that right. line, where that conversation really goes <laughs> right but it's it's definitely a good uh a good listen so check out welcome yeah. to the art shed on yeah, spotify or or itunes or wherever you find podcasts yeah um anything else uh I'm moving in two days. Andy's moving into a log cabin. Yes. We call it a log home. A log home. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. What do you think about moving into a log cabin? Uh it's I'm intrigued. Mm. We'll see how it goes. I feel like we're gonna learn a lot about living in the, the pros and cons of living in a log cabin. <laughs> That's it a really nice log it's cabin. It's a really nice log cabin and yeah. it, it smells nice. Oh good. Yeah. Good. So and it's not like uh, my girlfriend Anna, she is so always talking about how like everything we like the paint and the walls and all these houses are all filled with toxins and they're constantly mm. uh, what's that called when off gassing. Yeah. And so log cabin you don't have those problems. So it's oh, all just right. it's just wood. Yeah. So you gotta keep the carpenter ants away. Oh really? And bees, yeah. And bees, lots of bees? Carpenter bees. Really? Yeah. Oh shit. Well, bees are friendly-ish. Yeah, so I, really, I like them. Okay. All right, cool. Well, good luck with that. I Thank can't you. wait to see your house in I know, me too. Yeah. I mean, I've seen it before, but... <laughs> um, and if you want to find me, you can find me at thesearedreams.com. That's the word these, the word are, the word dreams.com. Or my actor website, philristino.com. You can find me at philristino on Facebook and Instagram. Um, and, uh, this is, you know, a day after my birthday, I just turned 51 and I will soon be releasing the first episode of the Post Relevant Podcast. So, um, just in terms of trying to figure out a timeline where seven or eight episodes in and now I'm finally releasing the first, uh, yeah. thing. So this is sort of auspicious time period for me right now. Excellent. feels like the world is changing around me. Yeah. How how deep in the lake are we? Uh we're up to our neck. Wow. We, went, we 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 went from chest to neck. Yeah. So we're yeah, we're right at the Adam's apple. Holy, moly. Yeah. So we're I have a feeling in the next episode we're gonna take a dip in the silver Lake. We're going in, man. Yeah. We're going in. Yeah. Yeah, and it just gets deeper and deeper from here. So thank you all for listening. I hope this is still entertaining for y'all trying to <laughs> decode this crazy-ass movie. We had no idea that it would take that we'd even get eight episodes into this thing Because <laughs> right. it's this is episode seven, but it starts with episode zero So we're yeah. really eight episodes in I guess next episode We'll talk more about the number nine and why in this sequence nine is very important um, So is this, but, this is actually episode 8 mm-hmm The next episode is actually episode, episode nine. nine, but it'll be episode eight, right? Technically, because the first episode is episode zero. Right. So, yeah. So it'll make it'll be that we talk more about nine. Then we'll have to remember to do that. So note to the future. Talk about nine. Yes. Um, But But thank you all for listening. Hope you're still digging this. I hope that we're still unveiling a lot of mysteries for y'all. And, uh, you know, watch the movie. Yeah. Uh, Make sure that if you haven't watched the movie by now and you've been listening to this, you really should watch this movie because you'll enjoy what we're doing way more. Right. But that's it. Stick with us. More to come. More mysteries to unveil. More gods to murder. As we wade neck deep and tiptoes trying to touch the bottom as we sink further under the silver lake. See you later. Ta-ta, troopies. Ta-ta, ta champy. Later. That's gonna do it for episode eight of the post-relevant podcast, The God Killer. Have we slain your gods? Let's make some new ones. Maybe we can make them nicer. I wouldn't mind. I only want gods that like me. (laughs) Special thanks to Andy Restaino, the one and only, for his continued excellence in conversation about Under the Silver Lake. More Under the Silver Lake decodes coming up, I think, next episode. We're following a coyote to Millicent Sevens' house, and then I think we're actually going into the Silver Lake with Sam and Millicent. Oh, very exciting. Uh, This is an awesome decode. You guys are going to like this one. Special thanks to Mike Gordon, who co-wrote this song you're listening to right now with me. It's an old Troy Westfield song called Four Syllable Word. It's one of the first songs to ever mention the post-relevant movement. More music from Mike and I coming up this year. Fingers crossed. Stay tuned. You can find out more about my art, acting, and music on my website, thesearedreams.com. And you can contact me, at Phil Restino, on Instagram and Facebook. And remember, you can pick your friends, you can pick your gods, but you can't pick your friends' gods!